Hey, this is Taylor with a quick note. I've got another podcast that comes out every Friday called Illiterate, book recaps to make you sound cooler at parties. Stay tuned at the end of this episode for more info. Now, on to the show. The dog is dead. It's all you can think about anymore. As Porcupine Man gets pounded to a pulp in the subway car door by some no-name thug, you can only imagine what she'd think. The watchdog she went by, though only you knew her real name. Woman to woman, she wasn't just your super mentor recently and scientist mentor in the old days. She was your best friend. I mean, how many other superheroines became part of the champions? And who else knows what it's like out here? Super senses, super strength, more importantly, just a good gal. You were the dynamic duo, and now... You dodge a laser from the oversized scorpion robot crawling down the subway tunnel and press yourself into the brick alcove. You toss an electrified steel beam its way, slicing right between its glowing eyes. You don't know why you agreed to join this fight. The champions put you on small-time tussles these past few weeks, and even though you've been a part of the supergroup for a year, you feel like the watchdog's death gave everybody second thoughts. Who else is going to vouch for you, porcupine man? Although, it doesn't bother you too much, these easy stints, because there's something you haven't told any of the other champions, something you haven't told anyone, ever. When she died, your powers vanished. You send a lightning shockwave down the corridor and reconsider your thoughts. Not the obvious power, of course. The Blue Baron shouts to you from up the stairs, and so you rush up to the metro station lobby and see his pirate-themed self pinned under another mechanical arthropod. You grab the giant metal centipede's back legs and charge it up. It explodes as a metal limb flies inches from your face. Blue Baron squirms out from under the wreckage with a meek nod. You're welcome, you think. You've never had to deal with these close calls, because, well, you could go back in time. This was your secret power. Not anything crazy, just up to 12 hours or so, but useful enough. Even she didn't know, even after the origin incident, interning in her lab, and you both became incredible, omnipotent goddesses. Nobody knew, because nothing ever looked different to anybody else. But after that moment, and her passing on the roof a few weeks ago, it just stopped. You couldn't save her, and now you can't change anything anymore. And it's terrifying, because in spite of your super strength and electricity, simple wrong move could lead to the actual end. The mech bugs keep pouring into the main terminal. This tiny fight is turning into a huge problem. Champions HQ thought it would be the conductors doing, trying to take hold of the public transit system. The watchdog's vote was to always let him, see if he can make it run on time. That was her style, though. You miss it badly. The Reaper gets hit by a laser beside you, as does the Scarlet Spectre. She could have been a friend, but she's so concerned with appearances, the way they make you the object of the public's attention. Watchdog didn't care about any of that. You worry. Not about that, but this fight, as now it's gone fully sour. These low-level villains are much more capable than normal. It's like they can't miss. The robot insects close in, and there's only a few champions who are incapacitated up against the turnstiles. If you're gonna bail, you need to do it now. Jesus, that was a close shot. Your eyes shut from the blinding light of the laser. It makes you think about what she'd always say. No matter if you had problems with this job, science experiment, relationship, 
It's always ironic, her advice. You want everything to be perfect, just close your eyes and swing, she'd say. But you're truly afraid of that now. The robots have the last of you cornered, and you're circling, strafing, throwing out bolts, but your energy drains with every shockwave. How are they so powerful? You hear a crash from the skylights and see a hooded figure, flowing red cape, masked with a featureless face, crash down into the center of the lobby. He must be the leader of this operation. One of the villain cronies, the Abdicator, true to his form, shouts, All hail, Dr. Dread! The figure strides through the center of the room, chaos raging around, and you toss a shockwave to gauge his power, and you get hit with something you're very familiar with, like every inch of your body getting pinched hard. The feeling when you go back in time. You're in this past morning, both of you standing in the lobby, civilians running late to trains. You're frozen in time, unable to move. No voice. Dr. Dredd strides up to you, puts a hand on your shoulder. He points to a glowing watch. And then his gloved hand taps a finger to his skull. Dr. Dredd knows. The pinch ends and you're swirled back into the present. The doctor is gone, the fight ended, the champion's chosen for this skirmish in shambles. Nobody seems to notice you left and came back to the present. As a call comes in from your comm, Back to Champions HQ. Looks like they caught the conductor downtown and he's talking about this doctor. Hey, thanks for your help, mutters the Blue Baron. About time, you say, and immediately regret it. Of course, you say. Whatever the doctor did to you, you can't tell anyone. Because your secret power is coming back. Back at HQ, the mood is tense. Your base of operations sits under the city's reservoir, guarded by systems both technological and elemental. Its location remains a secret, so you had to bring the conductor in with careful invisifields and diversionary groups. It's quite the production, but security is paramount with all this human firepower in one place. In the interrogation cell, the conductor waxes poetic about this new supervillain, and the world order being reset, and the trains being on time, and all the usual drivel he spouts when he can get his hands on the intercoms of the public transit. The bulldozer tries to press him for more info, but true to his form, is a bit too aggressive in his tactics. They ask you to come in and talk to him, a woman's touch, which the watchdog would never have stood for, but your grief still outweighs a fight with the team right now. You ask the conductor about another scheme from the doctor to come, but he gives you the same spiel. As he rants, you try out your rekindled power again, just a little bit. You knock over the glass of water on the table, spilling it all over him, which he hoots about, but then it sits normally on the desk. You're a big fan of these 10-second fixes. That's about what you can handle right now, but it's more than this morning. You get him raving on his train schemes again and walk out. The champions in the huge hall of the command center ask if you found out anything about the next move of this new villain. And you say you don't have a clue. The doctor is not in, you say, trying to bring some levity. But they're all so serious. You miss her again. 
The bulldozer charges into the conversation, admitting how unstoppable this Dr. Dredd feels, says there's got to be something the doctor is using to be so quick. You think about the watch. Vertigo comments on how it seems like he's controlling time, but that can't actually be happening, can it? You try and hide the emotions in your expression. Does anyone else hear that? Says the guy. You always forget his superhero name, but looks like he's in an astronaut suit. Yeah, Marsh Cop. Sounds like the water, says the mentalist, who always remembers. And with that, an explosion rips through the compound. A torrent of water descending through the cement cascades into the command center, sweeping away the heroes crowded around the surveillance console. You can fix this. Guys, I think we were followed. Brace yourself, you shout. A glint catches your eye, and you see a pinprick of a device on your shoulder. He tracked you here. You rip the tracking device off and move to higher ground, clambering over the sludge and surf forming in the command center. It's too far back for your powers to change right now. Vertigo sends out a wave from his hands to change the flow of water upwards, creating an opening to reach the security exit doors. Dr. Dredd is too quick though, and one of his henchmen is already soldering the door shut with laser vision. You shock the henchman with the laser vision before he can get to the door, and shout to Vertigo to move the downpour, but Dr. Dredd has already slipped past, holding Vertigo by the throat, and snaps. And snaps. Well, the guy get over the Exhausted, you sprint towards Vertigo through the slosh of water and shout for him to duck as plasma bullets from a lesser foe spray in your direction. You hear a shout and see bulldozers sandwiched between the wall and debris, unable to get momentum. The laser vision goons soldering and trapping him in. How do you beat someone who can also go backwards? The plasma bullets ping in front of you and your eyes shut from the light and it gives you an idea. You shock the generators on the wall, plunging the cavernous room into darkness. Green and orange light emanates from the tussle of the energy-powered heroes and villains. But thankfully, Dr. Dredd leaves the environment in shadow. And so you start swinging. The tide turns and you stop using your 10-second resets altogether. You see a flash of the Doctor's red cape in the darkness and realize how little his enemies are aiming for you. You test something and stop fighting entirely. Nobody touches you. Nothing hits you. Dr. Dredd must sense it and turns to face you from across the room, and you know he's done with whatever reason he had for your safety. Dr. Dredd sloshes through the river of debris, jumping from island of rubble to perch, relentless in his approach. You sprint up a nearby ladder to an escape hatch, to the top of the concrete wall of the reservoir, out into the nighttime air, slamming the hatch behind you. Flies off, the doctor grabbing your ankle, twisting hard. You hear something crunch and cry out, feel the time pinch, but not from your own power. You stay in place, frozen in space in the air, your foot askew. He walks around your floating body to face you, staring through the blank mask. He lifts it. It's not a he, it's her. I'm not who you think I am, she says. I'm not a shapeshifter or an alien parasite or anything like that. I am her, just not your her. I've missed you, she says. Take the stairs and I can explain what's going on. I'm so sorry, 
But for this to work, I can't let you undo this part. And she pushes on her watch and leaves you hanging in space for an hour or so. Long enough so you can't go back. When you fall to the concrete, your foot remains broken. You can bear the pain, but it's part of you now. You try to take things back, but it's too far. You hobble down to the command center. The HQ is in shambles. The other heroes wander around dazed, recovering from the onslaught of perfect attacks. You have to go, though. There is much work to be done to fix this mess at HQ, but you slip away, into the night, to the old museum. Because in spite of the strangeness of this whole thing, you felt it. Felt her. But you also saw her die. You reach the rear doors of the museum, after hours. The champions ask what you were doing, but you went back in time and back again until nobody saw you leave. You have to do this. You shock the lock and the security system and the lights. It's an old place on the Midtown University campus, and even after you went to school, there's nothing valuable enough in here to have a guard. You walk past the exhibits, the glass cases, the elevators, and take the stairwell in the back to the roof. That was her clue. The elevators don't go to the roof, the spot you'd both go after long nights in the lab, before the breakthroughs, the grants, the fancy offices, and the incident. You made a good team. It was the last place you went with her as superheroines, for old time's sake, before all this. She stands on the roof, in the Dr. Dread garb, without the mask, hood down, you stand at a distance, waiting for her first move. Pain shows in her face. She asks if you've ever thought about the times you went back. What happens to those futures that didn't happen? You say that you don't know. And she explains, slowly. Not because it's hard to grasp, but because she's done it so many times. She's the watchdog. Not from this timeline, but an alternate one. One where she got the power to control time in the original incident. But also, you died on this rooftop. She tried to save you over and over again, reliving those 12 hours before you died. But it didn't work. She got bitter. She ruined things. She took over her reality and made this device, as she points to her wrist, to search in alternate timelines, to freeze, to go back, looking for one where you don't die. This is the one she says. How long have you been doing this? You ask. She says she doesn't know. She always needs more time. You look at her and see awareness and joy and too much death. You think back to the moment here on the roof a few weeks ago when your watchdog, after a good day of crime fighting, collapsed inexplicably. And you put the pieces together now one at a time. Your version of the watchdog died because this one switched timelines. You lost your powers because this one's got them. Only one of everything in each timeline, it seems. It's her fault, and she knows it, and you see the recognition in her eyes. You tell her that your powers are coming back, and she doesn't belong here. How could she be so selfish, you say. 
She's seen this before, it seems, and hoped you wouldn't be this way. But you don't recognize her at all. This isn't the watchdog you know. She grows cold and rushes towards you, and you see the glowing watch feeding her power in this reality. This has happened before. She has nothing to go back to. It's endless. You hit hard and start to go back through time. She pushes you back, small landing punches, and you do as well, electrifying the air further and further back into what's happened, countering each other with the past, swirling in a soup of time and place. You're nowhere, locked in a fighting embrace, and you hit her with a revelation. Is this why I die in every reality, you say? She stares, icy. No, you just die. It can't be changed, it seems, no matter what I do. You charge up, and she dodges, and you back up, and you're on the roof again, in the command center and the train station. There's nothing she can't counter with. She's correct in all realities. She knows already. And so you do the only thing you can. Ironically, what she taught you. You're right, you tell her, trapped in this never-ending loop. And then you do the only thing she doesn't expect. You have to make a mistake. Close your eyes and swing. An unanticipated move, and you grab her wrist and the watch and feel your power surge back into you. And the watch disintegrates, and you fall all the way back. Back. You sit on the roof of the museum with her. It's your her. The real watchdog. And you're in your costumes eating chili dogs. The best post-battle dinner. You did it. You look at her and smile, and look down and see the watch is indeed gone. And when you look back up, she's collapsed. Just like before. You have your secret power, though, because the Dr. Dread version of her is gone. And so you go back. Ah, but we use and you go back, and you go back, but it wasn't her other reality version's fault, it seems. There's nothing you can do, it seems. In your reality, after countless attempts, this is what happens, it seems. You think about building a watch like hers. You have the technology, the lab, the means. It's all you think about anymore. She was an ironic one. The thing you don't have, it seems, is the time. So you keep going forward with the champions and the world's problems and the chili dogs on the roof. Scarlet Spectre hates the publicity, it turns out, as you begin to become friends, staring out over the city. Sometimes you miss the dog like hell. And it's scary at first but you even stop the 10 second fixes. You stop going back. You just close your eyes and swing. Thanks so much for listening. The Dog is Dead is written by me, Taylor Zablowski, at a table in the public library, recorded under a blanket in my closet, and edited in a fast food restaurant booth with the nearest power outlet. Let me know what you think by leaving a review or sending a message at podcastgod.net. 
As mentioned at the start of this episode, I've also got another very different podcast called Illiterate, or book recaps to make you sound cooler at parties, where each week we dive into all sorts of books and give you the top five actionable steps you can take tonight to go to any social scene and sound cool. You can find Illiterate wherever you listen to podcasts, coming out every single Friday. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned.